What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. On today's episode, we are going to kind of do a deep dive into what is a number one player on an NBA team. What defines that? Jacob is going to kind of take us through his math, and Brett and I are going to chime in. And I also have an update on what it's like being a season ticket holder during COVID and how that process works. Again, appreciate everyone's support. You can find us on Facebook in the Overstated NBA group. Give us a like, give us a follow. There's some great content in there, and we really appreciate everyone's support. So without further ado, here is myself, Jacob, and Brett. What is up, boys? I know we're recording this a little bit later on a Sunday. We, I think all three of us kind of had some technical difficulties with uh, with Zencaster doing a little update, but I, I do like this video feature. Um, Jacob, how you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. It's uh, seven o'clock here. Looking forward to my dinner, Stephen. Oh, that's, that's, I'm telling you, dinner sounds great, man. The, the wife and I got to go to Costco here pretty soon. You know, a typical typical American and spend two hundred dollars on stuff. I don't even know what we're buying. Doesn't even fill the fridge. Brett, Brett, how is Isn't the uh, how is sunny San Diego? It's great, man. It's great. I think uh, after this, I'm gonna head down to the beach with my kid. Uh, maybe shoot some hoops outdoors. Uh, yeah, it's still early here, of course. So got a full day ahead of me, and um, but yeah, looking forward to to the podcast talking about some of these. Some of these number one guys, man, some of the best players in the league. That's always fun to talk about. It is. It is. And, and uh, Jacob, we're, we're, you're kind of going to be the, uh, the the framework for all of this because I thought your post was uh, uh, wickedly brilliant that night. Um, it was – that was an Austra- – I don't know what kind of accent that was. Just I, I have no idea what that, that was. That wasn't but, an accent. Um, we've been we've been talking about shut up. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about this for a while kind of um, and we didn't really know how to phrase it. And I, I really appreciate your uh, – your Facebook post in the the overstated NBA group, because I thought it, it kind of hit the nail on the head of exactly um, what Brett and I were talking about. But before we get into that, I, I told you guys, um, my family, my dad has been a season ticket holder for the Bucks for over 40 years. So kind of how I, I can't speak for, for other teams. And I'm uh, curious to hear kind of the feedback that other people in the group have from this, but you know, so you have to pay, you pay this year and then you pay the next year on that. So what they did is, so last year, obviously we had, <clears throat> excuse me, we had COVID come in, so we couldn't finish the, the NBA season. So the Milwaukee Bucks had our money, the rest of our games from last year, and they had all our money this year. So, and they've been not the best communicators during this entire process. So I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, I told you guys like, hey, I think there's an announcement coming. They're going to allow fans back in the stands. And they had this announcement and... I think it was like 250 for the first game. And then after that, it was another number that I think it was going to be 1300. I think is what it was around something along, along those lines. But we emailed our ticket guy being like, Hey, what's, what's going on with this? So how it works is so season ticket holders got first bid on Wednesday or Thursday to get um, tickets. Our season tickets kick in after the all-star break. But we got first dibs. The catch with that was we had to pay even more money to go to these games before the All-Star break. So they have our money from last year and our money this year. And we still had to pay to go to games that we've already paid for. And the prices, dudes, were ridiculous. Like I'm talking like if you wanted like four seats in the lower bowl, it was like $700. Damn. It, it is crazy expensive like they've just upped these ticket prices and i also have another buddy who has like a 900 dollars voucher 
the Bucks won't let him use it on tickets or food this season. It is crazy. Like I said, I don't know if that's just um, if that's a Milwaukee thing, if that's a NBA thing, but dude, it is ridiculous what these guys are trying to do. Ridiculous. Wow. That's messed up, man. Like considering that they still had your money from the games you didn't get to go to last season, you'd think you'd be getting more of a break. Yeah. And they say like they, they've kind of already started to spin it. So it's like, well, you're not going to be charged for these games. But I mean, I think they're just looking to recoup as much money as humanly possible just because of all the money they've lost. Right. But dude, like some, it's like, come on, man. Like I didn't love, so like we were, I told you guys we were going to go not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. And my wife had, she thought she didn't have to work, but she works because it's a, it's a, I think it was a two thirty game. And the one, the game today against the Kings for Tony, that's an eight o'clock game, dude. Like I can't, that's going to be brutal. But, but anyways, so like we were, my wife and I were talking, I was talking about it with my dad. Like it just made zero sense for us to buy for games that we've already paid for. So they wanted to like, they wanted to charge us twice. Dude, it is ridiculous how they're doing all this. I, I was looking at tickets for a Utah jazz game. Um, the Lakers are going to be in Utah on the 24th um, this coming Wednesday, actually. And I was, I'm trying to go to an NBA game soon and I'm looking at places that aren't too far from where I live in Southern California. Phoenix is starting to look like a more obvious option, but at the time I was looking, you know, Utah was kind of the closest one that was allowing at least a decent amount of fans and the tickets were insane. Like I think anything in the lower bowl was, and again, this is against the Lakers, so it's going to be more expensive anyway. This is just the one game I kind of could have gone to, but it was like 700 bucks for like a regular ticket in the lower bowl. And I just checked again. Um, and there's only one section with any tickets available in the, you know, the one hundreds and they're $2,000 a piece for those tickets. Um, and then even like in the nosebleeds, it's like, I don't think you can get in the building for under 250. Yeah. So same here. It's crazy. I guess it's like a supply and demand thing. I mean, a lot of people want to go to games and they, they're only allowed to allow so many fans in. So it's like, if there's only a thousand seats available in the arena, it's like, I guess naturally they are going to be more expensive and I'll probably end up paying an exorbitant amount to go to a, a Suns game or maybe a jazz game one of these days. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of the what we're seeing throughout the league, but I'd be curious to know, like uh, say like the Hawks or uh, maybe the Pelicans, like one of these lesser teams that's allowing fans, like what are their ticket prices looking like right now? Yeah. And it's crazy too. Cause like, so I don't know, again, we haven't been there yet. Like we're definitely going to go as soon as we get games. Like we figure it's going to be like one, one every five games. I think we did the math. So, but like, again, like, and this is where I'm talking about the communication has been just horrible. We don't know which games we're getting. Like we on their their statement or their website, like it says, like if you go to these games, you have to wear a mask, you know, all that stuff, social distance. But like you can't get up and cheer. You have to keep your mask on at all times. Which I, I mean, I understand that part of it. And like the food stuff, everything is going to be closed, and you order it like on the the in game app, and it just comes to you. So like I don't know, man. Like it's just the the communication has been sketchy. And and like you said, Brett, like there's a lot of people that want to go. You would think that the uh, the communication would be a lot better than what it is. So when when is the first game you're you're going to go it's, to? Well, because they haven't so they haven't released our season tickets. What we start getting games is after the All Star break. To my knowledge, they haven't even released a schedule yet on what no. that's going to look like. So I we figure because it's like what capacity like fifteen percent maybe. 
So we figure just, yeah. you know, based on how many games are going to be left, like it's going to be one every five games. Like we'll get, we'll get to go from our season tickets. Anything else we'll have to buy. But you've got, now you've got at least, you know, a couple of weeks until you'll be going to a game. So it'll be after the, All-Star yeah. And, and that's the crazy thing, man. Like we want to go, like, it's not like, it's, it's just, cause I remember you were saying that, you know, t- there was a possibility you might be going today. Yeah, there was, but we once once we found out that like they wanted us to pay more money and the, those ticket prices that I just told you was like why would we've right. already paid you? Why would we why am I going to spend more money especially to go like sorry court, I love you, but like you know, I'm not going to an 8, eight o'clock game on a Sunday night against the Kings. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> like uh-huh. you know, like I wanted to go to the 2:30 game um next week. I believe that's against the Clippers. But that's a 2:30 game, but my wife works and she was going to try to get out of it. But then we saw kind of what ticket prices were. And I'm like, dude, this is, this is just insanity. Like I, I'm not, no, paying, that's, that's I'm ridiculous. not paying double for stuff that I've already, and just, and just how they're trying to frame it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, well your money's not going to account for, for this. It was, it's just super, super. super. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that man on, on principle alone for sure. What the fuck is going on? Like I'm, I am, I am absolutely flabbergasted by all the numbers being thrown around right now. Like I am, like what, what, what? Like <laughs> you guys have been to a lot of games. Yeah. Obviously, coming over here, I have the whole extra cost of traveling to America to go to a game. What would be like for moderately good seats? What would be like an average price in a non-COVID year? Depends on the team. You know, like yeah. at for the Lakers at Staples Center, it's like you're looking at probably 200 bucks per seat for like, a, you know, a good, a pretty good seat, at least like a mid mid level seat. Other teams, though, like um, like I went to some Suns games last year and uh, I think I, I was I, you could get like a pretty good seat for maybe $80. It's going to be, you know, if you want to be in like the first eight rows or so, you're looking at probably a couple hundred even at a place like that. But I would say um, on average, if you and Steve, you can jump into like with your experience, but on average, I think throughout the league, you're probably looking at like, I don't know, probably somewhere between 100 and 150 for like, you know, a a pretty good seat somewhere in there. But it's definitely, definitely a lot more this season. Like, it seems like it's maybe at least doubled. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying trying to log in for you jacob to my my Ticketmaster account i'm having some uh some trouble but yeah kind of kind of what brett said it's 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 right around there and were they really like it, it's a catch-22 man because like the bucks have sucked for so long like up until then but so like we would go i told you guys a story like mm-hmm. we would go and get comped so like our tickets i think like at that at the bradley center before they moved in it was it was a lot cheaper like before these you know, the, the new ownership took in, I mean, our, I think our tickets were like $60 and we were in the lower bowl, 20 rolls up from the bucks bench, I think. So yeah, like it was super good, but you could go for you, you could go, it could be like the day of the game. Hey, like I want to go, you get tickets up in the nosebleeds for like $8 and then you could work your way down. But like now, now that they're good and how like, I'm not sure, like, cause we haven't sucked yet in this new arena. So I don't know like how, how that works but where they nail you dude like i'm just is is on the food and drink dude they hammer you on that stuff yeah hammer it's you, like dude. i think at lakers games it's like um maybe 15 dollars for a beer maybe something like that 
for like a for like a twenty ounce Heineken, it's it's like twelve to fifteen dollars. It's like Vegas strip club prices. It's crazy what for the drinks. The, <laughs> yeah, dude. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, so uh, like, it's, just an expensive, it's just an expensive thing to do, honestly. Like, and you you know, like Steve, you you probably get a little discount like in a normal year because you buy because you have season tickets. Like per game, you're paying less well, than. But this is so like most. this is what they do. Like they're they're really trying to capitalize because we've again we've sucked for so long. Like they're really trying to capitalize like on how good we are. So they used to give you. You didn't get a discount on the seats, but they would give you like a card that maybe had like two, three hundred dollars on it, two to three hundred that you could use for like food and drink, or you could go to the uh, the store that they have there, the and the pro shop and get some stuff. They don't even do that anymore. Like they've really like I mean tried to to take this like crazy, and that's why like it's funny not to switch gears a little bit, but like the Atlanta Falcons, the football team. Um, Arthur Blank owns that team and he he's like the uh Jacob, he's the Home Depot guy. So he owns all the Home Depots. And he, he obviously he's a bajillionaire, but they built this new stadium. And what he said was is he was going to have like food and drink be super cheap. So it's like like I think like a hot dog is like two bucks there. Or like a beer is like five bucks. So it's really like I, I'm a little bit surprised. Well, I'm not surprised, but it'd be nice if more teams went to that model. Cause dude, like when our kids so we figure like we're going to take them to a preseason NFL game in August or September. Um, yeah, preseason I think is in August. But that's four seats at Lambeau Field. So we're going to take them to a preseason Bucks game along those times too because I think they'll be – they just turned eight months. So they should be probably like 15 months by then. So they'll be walking around and obviously like – but like just to get food there, dude, I'm just already dreading it. Like it's just going to be horrible. Horrible. Brett, do you does your son go to a lot of games with you, or is he is he uh, he's not old enough yet? No, or? he's he's never been to one. He's probably getting to the age like he's almost three and a half now. So like if if it was a regular season and there was no COVID, I, he, we I probably would have already gone to a game with him. But definitely next season. And um, I was gonna say with the food and drink, like I find the best deal sometimes is like they'll have those like club sections. Like in Portland, it was called the Lexus Club. In Phoenix, um, I can't think of what they call it, but it's like. Uh, you know, you're in the 100s, kind of like at the back end of the 100s, and it's like that sort of like sealed off section. Yeah, I know exactly um, but, what you're but talking it, but, about. Right, but it includes food and drink in the ticket. Like I'm one of the Suns games I went to last season, I, I got one of those tickets, and it was like, you know, maybe $150 for the ticket, but it included unlimited food and drink from their club lounge or whatever. So, like, if you're like me and you're going to drink, you know, maybe – six beers or whatever at a game and definitely eat a burger and some, some chicken wings or whatever. Like that's a really good deal. Cause you know, the food and drink that I would ideally consume if money was no object would be like, could be like $80, a hundred dollars worth of stuff easily. I usually don't because it's so damn expensive. I'll just drink and eat beforehand, but it's nice to be able to eat and drink at the game and just have that included into your ticket price. So for like, for someone like me, that's I find that to be the best deal. And again, you're not right on the court, but you're you're pretty close. If if you know, if you don't have to be right there on the court, I think that's kind of the best option. Can I just, um, can I just put in perspective how crazy this is for for the Americans who are listening, which is most of you. <laughs> like coming in England, right? In the Premier League, outside of London, the most expensive ticket in a stadium, like the best basically pitch side ticket is 60 pounds like that is for like what, liverpool what is that, what is man city yeah what does that translate to like 
eighty dollars. It's yeah, the wow. most expensive ticket you can buy in London. It goes up to like one hundred twenty dollars, and that is for the best seats in the house that you can like buy publicly, like front row center court. Yeah, front row center court seats, one hundred twenty quid in London, eighty quid up north. What's that the difference is- between pounds and quid? Quid is pound. A quid is just, you'd say like 10 quid or you'd say 10 pound. It's all the same. Hmm. I thought quid was like a hair. I was not even joking. I thought it was like a Harry Potter thing. Like quid is like the, <laughs> the, the Harry Potter. Cur- Don't they pay in quid in Harry Potter? I they're, guess- paying, they're paying quid, yeah, because it's in England, but quid's just quid. It's just, it's like, it's a dollar. I thought it's it was like a right. fiction. I thought, right. I, thought quid was, I thought quid was fictional, dog. <laughs> no, it's like a buck. Like it's like, like, like quidditch? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just but just just so you understand like how wildly insane this is like i'm pretty sure you can buy season tickets here for less than the equivalent of 700 dollars. why like, is that like- because because you guys get ripped off i remember <laughs> it, honestly i remember saying like like you like what like a, if you went to like a music like a gig you would assume like would you pay like a hundred dollars to go to like a gig like a musical artist, like what would you say? Would like, be like someone a, famous, like a, yeah, like the weekend or something like that, yeah. like a big time. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I don't know. I I'm gotta go. I gotta go my computer, and you guys keep talking. I mean, that would probably. I don't know. You know, I don't. I've never really been to a concert, but I. You know, like I think I feel like that's probably about the range for for something like that. Like I feel like the concerts that I go to, like the smaller shows. Um, like when I saw it, like Jizza, I think was like $10 to get in or like, I think I might've paid like 40 to see Aesop rock, you know, 30 to see mob deep, you know, that, that, that's kind of like the range for, for yes. like shows. But like, I think big concerts is, it probably is like in that hundred and up range. But I really don't see, know. Yep. Like why well, I, I know. Cause, um, cause fun fact for the people, Mrs. B, the future Mrs. Birkinshaw, she lived in New York or she lived in Morristown to be precise for two years. And she was saying like, she they would go see, you know, bands that she liked, like, I don't know, the 1975 or something. And it would be like $120. And then you come here. I've never paid more than 40 quid to see a gig. Like, and that is like to go to like the equivalent of Madison Square Garden and see oh, wow. like four big bands. Like four- we don't call those. Yeah, we don't call that a gig here. I feel like a gig is like, 20 people in like a bar with like a couple of guys playing music. Like I feel like that that's like a concert you're talking about. Yeah. Well, for, for a gig, it'd be like a fiver. It'd be fucking five quid. Right. Quid, for just like a show. Like, I guess I would call that like a show. Yeah. yeah show. So, you, so you guys just, you guys just get pay more. the fuck off. Yeah, dude. We, we have a lot of, we have we a know. lot of free live music here too, but yeah, like anything where you can buy tickets to it. Yeah. They're probably generally what a lot the, more expensive. One of the things there. that I absolutely oh, agree with you on Jacob, when you, uh, you know, when you talk about this stuff, I definitely, uh, am, am on your side, but Hey, on a side note, I love our <laughs> conversations before the pod. Like, I think these are the best conversations sometimes like that. That, that was, that was funny. I never would have thought today before we, um, when we were recording that Brett was going to get uh, quid confused with Quidditch from Harry Potter. That was, uh, that's, 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 <laughs> quid that's, just sounds fictional. Though. I just said, it does. It sound I like agree with you. Real I thing. agree like, with you. I agree with you. Just quid. A, just a quid. We used to use shillings. Shillings are real. We used to use them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Legitimately. That's a good one. That, that that's was, a good <laughs> shillings were a good one. Tuppence. Legit, real money. That was a real tuppence, piece mate. of money. Tuppence. Top of the yeah. morning to you, mate. Tuppence. Two pence. <laughs> 
Hey, we have a kind of an interesting topic here. And, and Jacob, I thought you um, kind of nailed it on the head. So we, um, for those that don't know, uh, Brett, Jacob, and I are in a group chat and, and we talk uh, basically just about every day. Um, and one of the things we talk about usually kind of on Wednesday or Thursday is what we want to what we want to talk about. And this topic kind of came up a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't really know how, what we wanted to say with it, um, how to break it down just to, just to make it simple. So basically it is like how many number one players are there in the NBA or how do you define that? Like, is it, has it changed from kind of like the, the Michael Jordan era or the eighties basketball? Like how do we define it? And Jacob kind of I'll, I'll go to you here. Kind of, you had a really good Facebook post, and why don't you kind of break it down? How you kind of came up with this? Your, your, I think you call that offensive load, right? Uh, I didn't. It was created by Thinking Basketball, gotcha, the gotcha. podcast, the creator, who is, you know, he's a genius. He creates all this stuff. Yeah. So, because because I get quite frustrated when people say things like usage rate, because usage rate. For those that don't know, a usage rate is only measuring shots and turnovers. That's all it measures. That's why when you say someone has a 30% usage rate, that just means they're taking 30% of the combined shots and turnovers a team takes. But obviously, that is not everything a player can do on offense that can add or take away value. They play make, they pass, they have, like, you, you can divide, like, passing into non-assists and assist passing, you know, passes where you just, you know, you do the swing-swing, which is, like, a simple one, or, you know, you do an entry pass, or you break the defense and then lay it off to someone, like, a layup for a layup. There's lots of different ways you can do it, and usage rate doesn't account for that. So what Thinking Basketball did was they created a thing called Offensive Load, which is more about like it includes non-assist and assist passes and it breaks it down like how many possessions per 100 is the player meaningfully involved in like to a point where they affect the result of that possession and so yeah I made a whole post about you know in history how many players have been above 45% offensive load or 50% or 60% offensive load and I mean, you guys saw it. it. It really goes from like 1970s. There's like one or two guys in a given year. Then you get to like Magic and Jordan and there's like four or five guys in a given year. You get into the 90s and then the 2000s with like Kobe and Iverson and, you know, Steve Francis, all these type of guys. And we're getting 10 guys in a year. And this year, last time I checked, there was 27 players are at 45% or above. 27 and to give you an idea of these are the guys for the listeners who are right now uh, when you're listening to this because it will be tomorrow morning there'll be a few games played in between then it won't make much of a difference john wall russell westbrook john morant steph curry Giannis, bradley beal james harden nikola Jokic, lebron james dame trey young and luka Doncic. those are all the guys who more than 50 percent of their team's possessions on offense they have a meaningful involvement in, which is more than any time in history that they've had th- those guys over 50%. And I think that's that was kind of what you were thinking about, Steve, is these guys who are taking more and more of an offense upon one player. You know, the James Harden and the Houston Rockets type of style, where it's, you know, one guy, the heliocentric offense is how it's been dubbed by, I can't remember, I think it was like Seth Part now, or was it, um, what's his name? 
Danny LaRue, someone, one of those big like analytics podcasters dubbed it heliocentric offense, which is where, you know, revolving around the sun, there is a star, a star and all the players revolve around them. And that has definitely become a lot bigger as we've gone through NBA history. And it's, is that good for the league? Is that good for the league? And if it is good for the league or whether it's bad for the league, does it work? Because I think we've seen no one's really, apart from maybe LeBron, maybe, but even then he had AD in 2020, Kyrie in 2016 and Love. Has anyone really taken that and made it work? Uh, that was like the big thing, right? Because we always hear kind of like, hey, is, or you hear it in sports media a lot or on, on NBA social, like, is this person a true number one? You know, I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see me. Like, you know, can you, can, is this guy going to get you as a, there as a number one option? I, I don't know. I think that is kind of dated a little bit. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you. I thought this was an interesting topic to talk to you two about. So that, that figured, uh, sorry, I should have had the post in front of me, but the 27 players this season, is that over 45%? That's over 45%. Then I just listed the ones that are over fifty because that's right. even more. And Brett, I have I have it up right now. Like he he has it in two thousand nine. So just what is it? Twelve years ago, it was seven players. Dwayne Wade set the record at fifty eight point four percent, and Wade and LeBron. It was the first time ever two players were over fifty five percent, and it was Dwayne Wade and LeBron. Just fast forward to just six years later, Westbrook was at sixty five percent. And that was 17 players. And then in 2017, it was 19 players. And Westbrook was at 74.4%. 74%. Wow. That's crazy. Um, who, who's the highest this season? The highest this season is Luca at 63.2. 63, Luca. Yeah. No one's ever going to get close to Russ's 2017 again. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 74%. I can't even imagine that. But I guess like the question is, yeah, like all, can – can it work? Like, can a true heliocentric offense work? Like, like you asked Jacob. And then also, like, of these 27 players that are over 45% or the ones you mentioned that are above 50%, however you want to say it, it's like, how many of them can truly be the number one option on a contending team or even a championship team? Um, and what does that and mean? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. I don't even know what that means what, anymore. Well, right, right. I mean, I think number one option usually is talking about scoring, like an offensive um or you know, just offense in general. Um, but then it's like, how many, how often is the number one offensive option actually the best player on the team in like a, a championship winning situation? So I think you know this increase in uh, offensive load—that was the name of the term, right? Um, or usage, I think you know, similarly has increased. It's, but it's it's like um, true usage, I guess, is like yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. That's a that's a good way to put it. I, I like it. I prefer this to usage. That it makes a lot more sense. But it's like, what does this look like? Do, does this mean that there's more players now capable of being a number one option uh, on a contending team? Because being a number one option on a bad team really is pretty meaningless, I think, in in today's NBA and the way we look at it. So when we're talking about this, it's like a number one option on a contending team. And it's like, are there more guys qualified to, to be that now than there were in 2009 when there were only a quarter of uh, players with this kind of load? Uh, or... Uh, is it just a lot of underqualified guys, you know, using up a lot of a lot of usage? So that those are kind of like my questions about it. I th- I, I think that um, that question really plays into what we were talking about last week in terms of shooting. In that, the same way, if I, I'm sure if I did this for how many guys took five three pointers per game, 
in 2009 compared to now. Obviously, the numbers would completely explode, but you look at the quality of the guys now compared to the guys in 2009 who were doing that. There's it's a huge difference. It's you know night and day. Yeah. When, you know Darius Baisley to go back to an old well. Darius Baisley's taking like five three pointers per game, and go back to 2009. Maybe you had like Ray Allen and Pasia. Maybe a few other guys had the green light to take five per game, and it's it's just the way the game is going. I think you need to you just have to kind of allow them to take this because if you're not allowing these kind of guys like Trey or Beal to drive an offense, your offense could get left behind because offenses are so optimized now. Hmm. So so the, so you're kind of saying that like um, the nature of the modern game in this sort of high octane, lots of threes, uh, high scoring, that almost dictates that certain players use up more of the a team's possessions than they had in years past? I think it's actually going towards more like specialization that we need more shooters and there aren't many guys who are Steph Curry or Kyrie where you can be a 40% shooter and be a lead ball handler, or you could, you have the physical abilities of a Giannis or a LeBron or a KD where you are just like in whatever way it is like KD having that handle at seven foot or LeBron being a tank or Giannis being a tank. There are so few guys that are those kind of extreme versions where they can do lots of different things we're going towards a bit more specialization where it's like, right, we'll just have a Luca or a Harden handle the ball and they are incredible at handling the ball and we're going to make sure all the guys around them can be optimized off-ball players because then... So lower usage players. Yeah, basically. Cause, yeah, because it's like, you know, it's a percentage, right? Yeah. So if a guy's using up 60%, that means there's only 40% left to go around, right? Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, it's so so because we're seeing I mean, this is a drastic increase. Like if we're talking about offensive load to be at 27 players that are over 45 percent, it's like, yeah, what are all these guys doing? And, and and that obviously that means that the usage of the other players on these teams are going to be lower than they were in years past. But are you kind of saying that a lot of those players are specialists that don't need to do a lot of um, creating like just a lot of a lot more like spot up shooters and just um, cutters and role players. Yeah, I mean we've we've seen this past off season, um, Bertans, Joe Harris, these guys getting paid like maybe not star players, but like mm, you yeah, know third <laughs> options. Yeah, like like third oh, yeah. options or fourth options, and they can't do anything. I mean Ryan Anderson is I think the flagship of this, where he got <laughs> that like eighty million dollar contract, and he can only shoot basically. Like I'm not sure what else he can actually do on an NBA floor apart from shoot. And, and he was that's a pretty good rebounder when he was, when he was younger, but like, but how about like Duncan Robinson and he hasn't gotten paid yet, but he's going to, and yeah. like he really, that's all he does is yeah, shoot. And he's going to make a lot of money, but he's um yeah, he doesn't do anything else. So I, I, I would imagine his usage is quite low. Yeah. Cause all, yeah, all he's going to do on in any given possession is take the shot, you know, JJ Reddick, Clay Thompson, these guys, and they still provide a lot of off-ball value, I think, in terms of their, you know, running around screens, tiring out defenders, making open shots for themselves. But not everyone is Clay Thompson at that, and they're still getting paid like him. Like Davis Bertans is still getting paid like a poor man's Clay Thompson, and that's just incredible when you think of what Davis Bertans or a Ryan Anderson or a Joe Harris like. Joe Harris is a nice player. 
He is not $20 million per year nice. But that is just so the it, nature of the beast. So it's not so much like a, a changing of the balance of talent level or value. It's more like the roles. You know, each team's going to, or most teams are going to have a guy that kind of does everything, um, that has the ball a lot. Uh, and then they're just going to have more guys that are just as valuable as like their counterpart, say from 15 years ago, but that have a much more specialized skill. Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. centers these days. Think of like, there's, I think there's been a resurgence actually in like center creators. Like this year, we're seeing maybe a combination of centers and power forwards. You've got, you know, Sabonis, Vucevic, Randall, Jokic, all these guys to different extents are kind of BAM as well, are like kind of the lead playmakers in a lot of ways for some of their teams or the secondary playmakers. That's, I think, been on the rise. But you look at Clint Capella, Mitchell Robinson, you know, DeAndre Jordan, these guys, the centers Gobert. that can actually, yeah, Gobert, that can actually still get playing time that aren't, you know, Greg Monroe, Enos Cantor, you know, J- Jaleel Okafor. Like there's right. a set type of them has been embraced and another type has just been gotten rid of because it's like, we don't need that skill set anymore. Another sort of player type too that we see and not not a ton, but I, and we were talking about him before the podcast actually is like Royce O'Neal. Like a guy that plays, you know, he's on a really good team. He gets a relative lot of minutes. I'm pretty sure he starts for them, or he he has started at least um, for part of this season. But he doesn't do anything like on mm-hmm. offense. Like he, you, you wouldn't even know he's out there. He's just in there for his defense. Uh, so I think I think between those centers you're talking about, just those uh, rim rolling, lob catching, Gobert, Capella, Mitchell Robinson type of centers, and then defensive specialists that really just have no role on offense, guys like Royce O'Neal, and then. Guys like Joe Harris, Davis Bertans, Duncan Robinson that are just pretty much just designated shooters. Although Joe Harris does a little bit more, but not really. Um, I think between those kind of specialists, yeah, it's like there's a lot of usage or offensive load available for the guys that can that have the capacity to take it on. The guys like Luca, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it makes sense when you look at the game. I just think um, the game, you know, as we've talked about a lot, looks nothing like it did. 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, wherever you want to put it. It looks nothing like it did then. And I think this increase in usage and in offensive load uh, sort of just reflects that. Like what exactly has changed about the game and, and the different roles and the way that teams view an efficient offensive attack. Jacob, well, well I was yes, going to ask you, going based on what Brett just said, like does that heliocentric offense, like can you win a title that way? Like does does, See, does I, it work like that? Like that's like that's the main, that's the big question, right? In theory, I think there's no reason why it can't do, even if it's you know the very best of the best. Like there's no reason to think that Harden in 2018 couldn't have won the title. He did have Chris Paul with him, but he was obviously the megastar of that team. But that is a very small sliver, I think, of the guys who are getting this kind of usage. Like just to expand like we we you know we said you know the rim rolling center the defensive you know the Royce O'Neal uh Al Farouk Amino as another one uh, you know the Joe Harris types or the secondary playmakers on the team and then it's like we just are going to take a player like someone like Trey Young right Trey Young is an excellent player but he is using the ball more on offense than Magic Johnson like Trey Young is wonderful. <laughs> he might end up being That's great. Yeah, he might end up being yeah, 
and he might end up being a top five offensive player in the league in his prime. You know, he might he might get close to that this year. He might be like top ten, top fifteen. He is not fucking Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan or LeBron James. But it's like we're just going to find anyone. We're going to find a Bradley Beal, a John Moran, a John Wall. These guys who probably can't ever become like the best players in the league. But you know what? You're the guy we're going to put the ball in the hands of and we're going to build off-ball players around you and we're just going to go for it because that's the style. And how many of those guys could realistically take a team to the title? I mean, if I go through like the top, the guys above 50, John Wall, no. Russell Westbrook, no. John Moran, not right now, certainly. Steph Curry, around a good team, yeah. Giannis, yeah. I think around a good team, maybe. Bradley Beal, probably not. James Harden, yeah. Jokic, yeah. LeBron, yeah. Dame, yeah. Trey, maybe. Not right now, though. And Luca, probably not right now, but maybe. Like, there's, you know, of these guys that take on this huge load, not all of them are good enough to do that. Some of them are in the right system, but not all of them. Certainly not. Or maybe, like, a lot of them aren't the right type of player to do that. I was thinking about this earlier. Like, um... Zach Levine, say, or I'm surprised you didn't name him, did you? He's not over 50%. He is um, not. He is just below. He is in the 45 to 50 range, though. Yeah, I figured he was up there somewhere. But say, like, a guy like Zach Levine, as much as I love him, and also Bradley Beal, as great as he is, like that high scoring two guard, like in today's game, can that really be your best player? Uh, I don't know. On, on a championship team, of course, like we're talking about. Uh, so, but those guys have some of the highest usage. And then like with Trey, it's interesting because it works offensively. Like when Trey is on the court for Atlanta, they have, I think they have the best offense in the league other than probably Brooklyn. Their offense would be at the top of the league if you just went by the numbers when Trey is on the court. Uh, but of course <laughs> there is defense. And also there is the question of whether or not that translates to a playoff series, which I think is sort of where we get to with a lot of this stuff is mm-hmm. like it. It certainly works in the regular season. Uh, it, you know, you could even point to Giannis last season. I know he's got Middleton there. I'm not sure we'd call that heliocentric. I don't love that term, to be honest, and I don't know exactly how we define it or where we draw the line. But, you know, that worked great in the regular season for them when it was just all Giannis. And it, a lot of these guys it, it, it works for. And I just wonder in the playoffs if that's, if that's viable. And if we look back through past champions, you know, how many have had like a truly heliocentric offense like i mean even jordan had pippen like i don't know iverson is the one that always comes to mind and that wasn't a championship team obviously but they did make the finals but there aren't many where it's just the one guy you know in terms of like offensive load offensive i think it's a term that kind of is i agree with you brad i think it's a term that kind of just needs to go away like I, i like the more and more like you know, I hear that term, like, uh, you know, can you be the the number one option? Like, I, I just disagree with it more and more every time I hear it. Like, it just doesn't, especially in today's NBA, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because there's no real, I mean, what's like a good example of it on, on like a, on a good team? Like, would Luca be, I guess, the probably the strongest example of it right now? I mean, he's at the top of that offensive load category and I mean, they do have KP. It's like, you know, you can't be a good team with just one guy. But no. I think that could probably be considered a heliocentric offense for sure. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I and Jacob, say I know you, I know you want to chime in here. I was going to say, like, because I, I texted you guys and was just kind of like, is it just like in today's NBA? Like, is it right now? Now, I know Luca, um, he, he'll obviously get better, but is it just LeBron? 
Like, I mean, like if you put LeBron on any team, like chances are they're going to make a deep run of the playoffs, possibly even make the finals. Like, is, uh, is he? Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, is, is uh, he? Is he the <laughs> only one that we can say that about? That I, he's, I, I, like, he's the only one. I, yeah, maybe in his a, prime. In his prime, if you look at like say like the '09 Cavs or something like that, or like the '07 Cavs, like maybe that's an example of him at least being able to get to the finals as the the only good player but like i don't know he's, what what well, about the lakers in, in I'm, 20 I'm uh, like, 2018 19 i'm not saying you can't have good players but even his last year in cleveland like i don't think that cleveland team was you know the year that they didn't have kyrie i didn't think that team was that good and even when um when he went to the lakers that first year like it's not like the lakers were bad before he got hurt like they were actually playing really good basketball and his obviously his injury just derailed derailed everything but i'm just like i I just think that term like i can't even is it just lebron like i mean who jacob who who else is there because you have you love Jokic, right and i love Jokic. i he's one of my favorite players to watch and i know like i sometimes uh you know like to give you a little shit about it but like even as you said Jokic is having a record-breaking season in terms of numbers and his team Mm -hmm. is the ace scene you know they're they're three games above 500 like I, i how does that work? I guess. Like, what what are your thoughts on that? Seven seed, seven seed now, Stephen. Oh, get it right. Sorry, they moved up. They God. moved up one seed. My God. bad. That's my bad. They moved up. My bad. God, it's to the, the moon, baby. To the no, we can't. We can't say that anymore. But yeah, I don't like. I guess with what we're saying is like, can you go to a team without another top twenty player, and can they be a contender? I think outside of LeBron, I don't know if that's true for LeBron anymore. Outside of LeBron, I don't think there's anyone good enough to do that in the league right now. I legitimately, I don't think there's any single player, Kawhi, KD, Harden, Jokic, Embiid, Luka. I don't think there's anyone who can go to a team without a top 20 player. Like, say, um, LeBron did in 2018 when he had love. Or like, you know, LeBron did, like you say, in 2009. They didn't get to the finals, but they were a great team. Or 2007. I don't think there's anyone that good in the league right now. But I think if we're asking that of a player, we are probably only talking about, you know, peak LeBron, not even peak Shaq did that. You know, peak Jordan didn't do that. It's like LeBron and, I don't know, Kareem, if Oscar wasn't a top 20 player at the time, there's literally, there's no one in history really that does that apart from GOATs like peak goats at their peak of their powers that can take a team without a top 20 player to the finals. Like legitimately. I mean, Iverson, Iverson definitely no, did. Was, but, I, but again. Yeah, yeah, but think about it like this, right? I mean, you guys were there to watch it. I've only been able to go back and, you know, look at the highlights, look at the games, look at the data. Do you think Iverson would have even reached the conference finals if he was in the West? Bro, uh, he shouldn't even no. reach the finals. No. Dude. That game was rigged. No. There was, that that yeah. ejection was bullshit. Okay, the Scotty Williams ejection <laughs> was bullshit. We have to bring this up again and get me all fired up. It was bullshit. It was rigged. It, it was rigged, dude. Just go back and watch that game seven and see how it was bullshit. Whatever, whatever, whatever. No, I think the, I think the Bucks were the Bucks were probably a better team. I, I agree, and I but and I know they they definitely wouldn't have made it coming out of the West, especially back in the early two thousands. We talked about how crazy the west was so yeah i mean that was definitely a weak east that he came out of and uh and they never had a chance to beat the lakers in the final so i you know but that's like the one example because other than that you just need an you need another good player so like mm-hmm. you know like a top top 20 like you said or maybe 
maybe top 30, you know, maybe like LeBron and a top 30 guy or Jokic has Murray, like maybe Murray's, I don't think he's a top 30 guy though. I don't think I he's mean, top 30, no. No, no. So it's, it's actually, that even that's pretty rare. Yeah. That's why, you know, a team like the Lakers where you have two easy top 10 guys is, uh, is extremely rare. Well, and that's, and, and um, that's the other thing. Like, that's why I never, I never fault on these guys for, for teaming up because I think like the, the media and fans, you know, like your, your expectation is how many titles are you going to get? And, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. and I, you go back and even just looking back at NBA history, like everybody loves, loves to bring up like, you know, the eighties. Well, there wasn't as many teams as there are now. And all those guys, just whether it was luck, how they drafted or whatnot, they were all hall of fame players on the same team. Like this isn't, this isn't something that's new. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's been this way in NBA history forever. Yeah, I think so. And even when, we use terms like a heliocentric offense. My immediate thought is Magic Johnson. But then you look at the team Magic Johnson had, you think James Worthy was a superstar as a secondary player. You think, you know, older Kareem, even going down to, you know, AC Green is a fucking great role player. Like AC Green had to have been one of the 80, 60, 50 best players in the league at his peak with the Lakers, you know, Byron Scott, these guys who were, top 100, top 50, whatever players in the league. No, to quote the great romantic poet, John Dunn, as I'm sure you expected I would, Steve, no man is an island. And that is true in the NBA. No player, no matter how good they are, Jordan couldn't do it without Scotty. LeBron couldn't do it without Wade and Kyrie. And if those guys can't do it, or Kareem couldn't do it without Magic or Oscar, Shaq couldn't do it without Kobe or Wade or Penny earlier. If they can't do it, no one can. So well, I'm, if if how about this? If there's one guy who can, what if it's Luca? Not right now, but like a couple of years from now, is he the type of player that could? Where like you 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 know, say the second best player on the team is like not top thirty, right? And you just but you surround him with sort of like the perfect roster build, like plenty of wing defense, plenty of switchability, plenty of shooting plenty of rim protection all the sort of necessary ingredients and then you just have luca run the show with that 60 percent offensive load like is he do you think the type of guy that could do it because he's in theory i think he's a better shooter than lebron mm-hmm. um i think he's a better offensive player than lebron in theory and like in the future i, I really think he he can do more uh which is crazy to say but at least at least in that sense where like where he could maybe be the guy in a true heliocentric offense cuz i know a lot of these offenses have been labeled heliocentric and i'm like are they really like is that just based on i don't know i i really don't like that term the more i think about it no i think it i think me. it's it's fair and you're right luca has these other options because as much as luca's shooting gets kind of shit on you know in the mid range for his career he's a 45% shooter so he has the bones there to eventually spread that out. Whether he ever becomes a 40% three-point shooter, I doubt it. But he I could easily... I think he will. I think he, he will. Might. He's got the confidence to do yeah, it. Yeah, his, his shot looks good too. He's got a yeah. good-looking shot. Like LeBron, like you could always say, like, eh, his shot's not that nice. Like whether it was his rookie year, the middle of his career, or now, he's never had a, a picture-perfect jump shot. Lucas is pretty damn good. Like Lucas should be a much better shooter than he is. It reminds me of Brandon Ingram a little bit, where like his first couple seasons, he didn't shoot the ball that well, but you always knew he was a good shooter. 
right? Even when he was shooting like 68% at the line, it was like, this guy's got a stroke. He's going to put it together. And and now he's an awesome shooter. And I could see Luca sort of on a similar trajectory where in the next couple of years here, okay, we, we kind of always knew he was this and now he's putting it together. Um, but if that comes together, I think he could be the guy. If he can, because I think Luca is not athletic, but he shoots 70% at the rim. Like you look at guys... That that is you know a, a step below Giannis and Zion level. That's how good he shoots at the rim. He's an eighty percent three free throw shooter. He could be. I think there's a real real possibility because Luca at twenty one years old is such a phenomenal passer that in his absolute prime he's better than LeBron's peak as a passer. Might be. Might I think be. that's yeah. that that's a legitimate possibility. And you put that with his scoring ability, with his intelligence, he's like I said and- last year. And one other point, too, is that he's so damn big. He's basically the same size as LeBron that he's not a total liability on defense. So, like, when we talk about guys like Trey Young that have this massive role in the offense, it's like, yeah, but then you get killed on the other end. Luka's big enough, smart enough, and has improved enough to encourage me to think that he's not going to be a complete liability on defense. I think when we're having this conversation, too, about these super high usage, uh, heliocentric kind of guys, Luka's sort of perfect in a way for all the reasons you listed. And I think also just his size on defense makes it so he's not going to get picked on the way some of these smaller guys do like Dame and Trey, et cetera. I think so. And I think the thing is as well, the difference between him and someone like Jokic, who I think falls into this category as well. Something that I really want to look at deeper, but I've been kind of ruminating on is the idea of a kind of what's the word. It's like opportunity cost, like Jokic defensively, has a big opportunity cost as a center. He is your center, which does cap your defense. Luca doesn't have that because he's not your center because you can play him with Mitchell Robinson or someone like you could, in theory, you could play Jokic with a Clint Capella, a Mitchell Robinson, whoever, whoever. But then on defense, it gets a bit muddled because then who is Jokic guarding if it's not their center? Like, it, like whereas Luca, you have a lot more versatility there. So I do think there is something there that maybe Luca is the perfect build. I mean, LeBron in theory was, he just couldn't shoot. But in theory, I think he's close as well. But I don't He's the closest we've seen. I think LeBron is the closest we've seen. It's not like he's a bad shooter either. I mean, LeBron can do everything. Like we, I just nitpick him because he's one of the greatest ever. But I think LeBron is the the closest we've seen to really being able to do it by himself, um, even if he hasn't yet. Uh, or ever will he's he's the closest and i think luca going forward could be even better in that well, sense well he can shoot but just to um wind the clock back to you know the mid 2000s when lebron was the same age luca is now his mid-range shooting was in the mid 30s and luca's is at like 45 percent. so yes yeah. like you know lebron at that time yes you know lebron because he's fucking lebron james he has turned himself into a goodish shooter but Lucas kind of came in as a okay shooter whereas LeBron came in very much as you know not Ben Simmons but you know maybe a Zion kind of level of shooter when the game was so much different back then too that like if if you just took LeBron from 2005 in like a time machine into today's game he might have some of the same struggles that Giannis has uh in terms of you know not being able to shoot like that might hold him back in a similar way whereas I think Lucas you know, Luca's pretty well suited to today's game. I, again, I think he's a much better shooter than 
then his percentages would show or then a lot of people realize and i think we will see that i think he, he could be like an elite shooter in, in a few years i really do i think yeah i think he probably could be but then who else really could do that i don't know if there's that many because then we start to get up to top guys like if you actually look at who is the contenders who are who is who are the contenders this year say in the west say in the east you've got you know brooklyn um milwaukee steve unfortunately you guys are still Whatever. contenders technically <laughs> technically Whatever. you Ab- are contenders. absolutely absolutely oh yeah yeah, yeah they are and then Sports philly whatever <laughs> and then you go to the east the west and you've got the la teams utah obviously as the surprise package this year maybe if you want to be really strict you could just list those six teams in like brooklyn you have two of the 10 two of the 15 best players maybe even three of the 15 or 20 best players in the league in brooklyn and milwaukee i think middleton is definitely a top 20 player in the league i think 100 and and drew's 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 probably i think he's like top 35 they anyway. What a game with him being out, dude. They lost five in a row without that dude. It looked like a completely different team. Like, oh my God. Oh, don't even get me right. on a Drew rant, dude. That, that Blake <laughs> got me fired up, dude. I, well, I first, I, whatever, whatever. Oh, like, my dude, God. trying I was to watching. say Drew Holiday had one good playoff series. Like, dude, you remember he played with Philly, right? Like, do you, do you, <laughs> yeah. do you not, did that just completely hit your mind? Like, his worst series, his worst playoff series is Eric Bledsoe's best playoff series. Yeah. 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 No. And then he had that one with, with New Orleans too. But um, yeah, no, that, it's so, but so you're saying like it's, it's balanced. Like the Nets have three top 30, top, top 25 guys or whatever. And then the, the Bucks have probably two top 23, top 35. And then Philly obviously has the big two. Yep. And yeah. And pieces around them. Then you go to, you know, the Clippers, obviously, Paul George and Kawhi, the Lakers, obviously. Then it, it's kind of Utah. Are the odd man out there where MVP maybe you could Gobert? say MVP? You're damn right, MVP. If it's the best player on the best team, I don't give a fuck. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> if that's how we're doing this, if that's if that's the criteria, if that is you know the the rubric for MVP, it's Rudy Gobert. Or, well, so it's, is, or it's Jokic. It's fascinating, though, because, okay, I think that's a very reasonable top six right now. Like, if you had to narrow it down to six contenders, that's for sure who it is. And, like, yeah, five of them have multiple top 20 players. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Jazz. And, do you, I mean, do you think that's kind of the root of this doubt that we're hearing about the Jazz, where people Absolutely. are really kind of skeptical about them? And they're like, uh, but the Jazz, I don't know. They're a really good regular season team. Is that just mm-hmm. because they don't believe in a team without a true superstar winning a title because it it, it is yeah. pretty rare i guess um i th- i think so i mean just to compare that i mean i did a little bit of research in terms of the teams that didn't the teams that won titles without obvious super duper stars i mean you think what um dallas and detroit have, are the only teams that come to mind well that well i mean dallas. you had dirk i'm talking about guys that teams that didn't even have one older dirk though super duper star Oh yeah, I mean Dirk was like fifty forty and, ninety in the playoffs for years. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so even even that year, even in twenty eleven, and you look at it old, like just older. He was, he was and if you look at it, I mean, not to take away anything from Dallas or Detroit, but like you look at that Dallas Miami series, like LeBron just completely melted down. Like that was <laughs> that did that. And you go back and look. Shout out to Molly, but you look at Detroit winning over the Lakers. That was just you have Carmelone got injured, and that was just because Kobe and Shaq couldn't stand each other. Like it was. I mean, if those guys fifty yeah. percent liked each other, I think the Lakers probably win that 
nope. Eh, they didn't though. And there's, you know, I think you can always point to some reason why a team won a title. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that Detroit team was the better team. And, um, well, yeah, I think they showed yeah, that it's possible. Yeah, I think they yeah, showed that it's true. possible for, for a team. I think they give the jazz this year's jazz hope. Well, can I just run you through, right? So this is one thing that I thought about that kind of, I think it will give any Utah fans hope, right? This is, I'm going to be using the basketball reference stat VORP, which has its own flaws. It's like an all-in-one stat. No all-in-one stats perfect. They're all for fucking nerds like me. And they're all deeply, deeply flawed stats. But the 2004 Detroit Pistons, if I run you through their top five players, Big Ben came 11th. Chauncey came 16th, Tayshaun Prince came 43rd, Rashid came 45th, and Rip Hamilton came 51st. So they had like a starting five of by Vorp top 50 players that year. If I then look at the 2014 Spurs, who I think get kind of underrated in this discussion as like a team that won without a clear superstar, you had Kawhi was 20th, Tim Duncan was 28th, Manu was 38th, Patty Mills was 45th, and then you had like Bellinelli was 70, Boris Diaw 77, Tony Parker 83rd. So they had like seven guys who were top 100 players that year. If I go by that with Utah Jazz this year, Rudy Gobert is 24th, Mike Conley's 38th, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and Jordan Clarkson are 44, 45, and 46th. I'm fucking with and Joe Ingles. Yeah, that's my dude. Fucking with Joe Ingles. Royce O'Neal 73rd, and Derek Favors is 88th. Now wow. that that yeah, like that is like they're not a great team of individual players, but the historical precedent is there that the Utah Jazz have a squad of guys that can take over. Whether you want to say Gobert isn't good enough to be the best player, that's a debate. But I think that when you look at that, um, the depth they have, there's there, there's a historical precedent that teams they- that bad. They feel like this 2014 Spurs. Like they have that level of chemistry. Um, that's kind of what they look like when they play. And they have a lot of the same type of guys, um, different type of player, I guess, but sort of the same balance of talent. Maybe Mitchell's more of a star than anybody on that Spurs team was. But all in all, I think that's a really good comparison. I think that's probably the best comparison for them and you're right that Spurs team does get overlooked when we talk about teams that won without a true superstar because you know yeah of course they had Duncan he's you know the greatest power forward of all time but he was in his what uh mid to late 30s at that point 37 probably yeah. that year 38 uh, that's why so, I would have said 37 too something like that. yeah so he, he wasn't a superstar at that point he, he was a really good player who was one of the greatest of all time and then Kawhi hadn't quite ascended to that level yet either that was really what sort of jumped it off, I think, was that the playoffs that year. But uh, so, yeah, so I think they're in the same conversation as that Pistons team, too. I'm glad you brought them up. Yeah, and then you look and it's like maybe none of these guys, you know, Jordan Clarkson is not a household name by any stretch and Joe Ingles and Mike Conley is probably more famous for being the best player not to make an all-star game than for being just a fucking great point guard. But if all those guys... uh, playing like top 50 players this year, then no one else has that depth. No one else has that quality throughout the team. And then you say Royce O'Neal, Derek Favors behind them. You know, these guys where you suddenly you've got seven of the hundred best players in the league. That's basically what um, the Spurs had. 
and then it's interesting. Then you have Quinn Snyder, obviously, as a kind fantastic, of, fantastic coach. Yeah, yeah. As and, a kind and, and of, it's like in the roles too that the guys have between you have the best rim protector in basketball, one of the best in history, no doubt, Rudy Gobert. And then you've got shooting, like you've got all the, and then you've got the three level scorer and, and Donovan Mitchell. So you've, you've got, you've got veteran leadership. You've just got all the ingredients that you would want. Uh, the one thing you're missing is that true monster, high, high, high usage superstar. And um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm part of me is kind of rooting for the jazz. I know. To sort of show that. Welcome to the small market, baby. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this, man, but I I really kind of have come to like them. (laughs) I really I respect them. That's that's firm. I respect I respect him and I respect them. Well, I think it's going to be a real indictment. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real indictment on the heliocentric style. If you say Utah Jazz won the title this year, I think it really shows that all these teams like. You go back, no team has really been heliocentric and won the title because I think you lose too much in the playoffs like we see with Harden every single year. Little bits get chipped away in the playoffs. And if little bits get chipped away from Harden, the Houston Rockets become exponentially worse. The same with Giannis and the Bucks. If you can chip away at his game, the Bucks get a lot worse because of what they run through Giannis. Actually, that just remind me, Steve, one thing I ran past Brett before we started this podcast that I want to run past you. Middleton and Giannis. Giannis takes, what, 19 shots per game. Middleton takes, like, 15. Do you think they should swap? Yeah, that? dude, I told you that before. I, I told you guys that. Like, his Giannis's usage rate, I think, was in in the 30s, and Chris's was in the 20s. I know you hate usage rate, Jacob, but that Middleton should have what, – what, what's your stat that you called it? Uh, offensive load. Offensive load. Chris Middleton should have a higher offensive load than Giannis should. Yes, absolutely. Chris Middleton should be we, – we've talked about this. Giannis needs to be the role man. And the, the offense – the reason why they sucked is because the offense it, it was running through him, and that's why they lost five games in a row because Drew Holiday wasn't there. It needs to be run through Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Absolutely. And see, I think – I'm glad you agree. I mean, I, I was pretty sure you would agree, but I'm glad you agree because I think that is just as big an indictment on the idea of the heliocentric star because – we're saying, right, Giannis, yes, obviously he's the best player on that team, but we don't want him to just have the ball in his hands like eight possessions in a row. We need to get Middleton playing. We need to have a secondary star playing big minutes. We need to have, you know, LeBron needs AD. Uh, and, Harden and needs Durant. It's, it's, a, it's, the, it's a binary star system. You know, when you look at like, like, and that's what's more common. Even when you look at Giannis and Middleton or Simmons and Embiid or LeBron and AD, like these teams that find success, there's always two of them. And one might be bigger than the other, but they almost sort of orbit around each other more than the rest of the team orbiting are. around them. But here's my point with that, though. And this is why LeBron is so good. And this is why the, these other guys, you could even throw Jordan in there as well. And this is where Giannis needs to be better is – he has to figure out that, hey, Chris Middleton needs to get some shots or the ball needs to be in his hands more, or Drew Holland. He has to be willing to accept that. And that yeah. is my issue with Giannis and the Bucks right now. And that that's kind of all. You don't think he's you don't think he's willing to or he has to some degree accepted that like watching them the other night, I mean, Middleton does his thing. Middleton reminded me the other night of like of Devin Booker last season. Are you talking Phoenix. about the are you very, talking about Friday very, game, Brett? Yeah. The more that yeah, yeah, yeah. game. 
Yeah, and I know that's maybe not the greatest example, but I, I watched the whole game, so it's like fresh in my mind. But th- I, that's what I was thinking watching Middleton. I was like, this dude looks like Devin Booker, like before CP3 got there, just like a um, kind of can do it all, really offensively. And um, and, and I mean, I, I think he he gets plenty of opportunity to to shine, and and it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when Drew gets back because I think they were just sort of starting to gel a little bit, and then he went out for you know I think he's missed seven or eight games now and. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think Giannis is willing and just the way that he talks about how important Drew has been and how badly they need him back and everything. Uh, I, I think he knows that, but I, yeah, I agree. But, like I don't, but, but uh, to your point though, there, there's been other games this year. Um, you know, I think I want to bring up, um, I think it was the, the Lakers game and there, there's been plenty of other times this year where Giannis just goes full force and just attacks yeah. the wall and where he's not looking right. to, you know, make those passes and get those other guys involved more. To me, that's his next step more so than the, than the three point ball that everyone wants to, you know, get on him for. And this month, um, I don't want to make this all about the Bucks, but he's shooting. I think he's shooting over seventy percent from the free throw line. Uh, I think that it was in large part too. I think he went like eighteen for twenty one the other night. But I mean, like to me, once he figures that out. Like he's gonna, it's gonna help the team out so much more. And, and you're right, Brad. There's some games where he does, but again, like to your point, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, he's got to do this, that right. in the playoffs against the Miami, you know, against Miami Heat last year, whoever, the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia this year. That's what he has to do that. That when I, I think he's in the process. I think he's. I think the way I interpret it is that he's in the process of figuring it out. That he's willing to do it, mm-hmm. willing to take on whatever role he needs to, to win, like fully willing. I, I really do. I really believe that about Giannis, but I think he's in the process of figuring it out and developing some new habits. And um, and it's interesting you bring up the Heat. That was one team I did wanted to mention too. Uh, that's sort of an indictment on the heliocentric thing or even the even the binary star, like two megastars kind of thing, where it's like that Miami Heat team, and I know it was the bubble, but I'm not putting an asterisk on it. They went to the finals last year and, you know, Jimmy Butler and and Bam are not your typical. They're both very good players. Uh, I would say they're both top twenty players, but they're not like your typical stars. Um, you know that that team had a lot of balance. Like if they had won the title, I would probably put them in the conversation with like those Spurs and those Pistons and maybe this year's Jazz. Like they're more of that kind of team. Even though I guess Jimmy's a superstar, but that's more I think because of like his personality, his reputation, just his. You know, like when you go to when you go to we talk about his game and his numbers. Um, he's not, in my opinion, but I think they were another good example. I, I was going to say, man, I, I know we got to get out of here, but I can't wait till this episode drops because I want to see what the what the reaction is and what everybody what the response is to this. Because, like I said, I am I, I am fascinated by by this topic, and I know we could go for you know, another hour or two, but it's, it's super interesting to me and, and shout out to you, Jacob. I mean, I loved how you, how you kind of broke that all down in, in that post and, and gave us some really, really good contact content. Cause I think too many people don't understand how this all works. Well, I think this, this, this one could have a part two. I, I think, yeah. uh, I think there was definitely some stuff that we didn't even get to that um, yeah. was one of the, some of the main things that we wanted to get to, but you know, it's just a, uh, it's a conversation. It goes where it goes. And we definitely, uh, that was, that was fascinating to think about again, like with the last episode, I feel like I was kind of thinking out loud, but, um, but I love that stuff. And I think we should probably follow this one up with a continuation of this discussion, getting into like, um, you know, how many players could be the guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what that, what that, where the barrier for that lies, because we were talking about this, Brett and I, before the pod. And it's like, at what point does like, do your first and your second best player kind of cross paths? Like, at what point does that, the, where I'm going down, like, right, is X, is Jimmy Butler my best player? And then at what point does it reach the point, like, where I've got, you know, the 10th and the 11th guy on my team is what I need to be right. a championship team. And then I kind of, I move down and I'm like, right now, actually I need someone better than this guy to be on my team, to be a champion like that. I think that line is really interesting. Like where does that line exist? And yeah, maybe the Miami heat might be a really good example of that where between Butler and Bam, is that as close as your first and second best player can get? before yeah and i like the tate i like the tatum and brown example as well like we were saying before the podcast if you take those i think tatum's their best player slightly ahead of brown you take those two plus kemba stays healthy and then you add that one piece that everyone can agree that they're missing who's not going to be as good as those top two players but like that four plus the role players that they have smart that might be enough to get it done so they could be another example similarly to the heat in that sense i think but yeah that's a whole topic we could we could really get into i definitely um i definitely wouldn't mind getting back to this one one of these weeks soon i love it yeah, yeah. i love it i love it this was this was good stuff jacob i now i am gonna go probably for the next five minutes before i get fed up with this try to get my facebook account back because um yeah because you know i've been sucked and you know milwaukee bucks front office ticket office dude if you guys are listening i love you guys just you know come on man uh, do, do do the right thing here do do the right thing <laughs> you know come on uh, well, let's go this is it uh, this shouldn't be overly what common. was it you said as well didn't didn't you call uh derek michael stupid or an idiot isn't that isn't that what um caught you the caught you the ban hammer call them call them yes, the i yes, word but we were we were, yeah, we were joking around and i called him the i word which is idiot and he, he you know we were literally joking around and then facebook came out and they sent me a notification that said hey we apologize we screwed this up but i still can't comment for uh for a week so you know we'll uh yeah i guess we'll see what happens um shout out to derek um he was supposed to be on the show today but um then we just kind of went on with our lives and realized how stupid of an idea that was so um (laughs) (laughs) wow wow i wasn't i wasn't expecting that conclusion but i'm really happy with it i like it i like it brett you go you go have a good time on the beach jacob you uh you go make uh, some dinner. I'm going to mess around with this. And uh, the wife and I are going to spend the Sunday at Costco, you know, living the American dream, Jacob. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's- yeah. <laughs> is that, Steve, is that is that the one where you buy like 50 bottles of water at once? Or like <laughs> yes, 50 yes. bottles we, of ketchup? We, like- yeah. So, actually, do you, do you have you ever heard of a store called Aldi? Yeah, we have Aldi. Yeah. So, we have that here. It's a German store right up, right up the street for us. Um, so, we go there. Um, like once a week we go to Costco, um, probably like once a month or once every other month. That's where we get kind of get, you know, uh, baby stuff, just everything in bulk that we don't need. And then I didn't tell you guys this, but my buddy, my brother and I just bought a cow and the cow is getting, getting processed right now. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited, dude. He got all that meat, dude. Come on, a cow? Yeah, dude, you listen to Joe Rogan, dude. He's got all that elk. So we wanted to, uh, when this, when all this shit happened, like we wanted to, uh, are you going to eat the thing? Yeah, dude, they 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 cut it up, dude. You get you get like cube steaks. You get like oh, uh, you get like. Did you, does it have a name? I don't know what the name is. I'll, when we go to pick it up from the farm, I'll definitely ask them what the name is. Well, is it so? It's going to be dead when you pick it up, dude. It's just the meat, dude. It's the cow is actually not okay. Going the way you oh, okay. the I thought, thought you need to buy like a fucking meadow or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like no. in your backyard. No. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you're literally becoming the milkman. 
That's oh, my God. That's, Shout out to that's the what milk. I pictured? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you're, got, just buy, you're just buying a, 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 an entire cow's worth of meat, but it's yes, meat from the yes, same cow. Yes, that, that's the appeal? So we won't have to go – like we don't – we've been uh, – so we're going to like grill our own meat and shit like that. Yeah, just all organic, dude, all grass-fed, dude. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be legit. No, that sounds that sounds bomb, dude. I've been eating a lot of steak lately. I'm, uh, I love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's what I'm having for lunch today. But, dude, I pictured you with like a cow tied that was up funny. in your backyard. I probably said that wrong. I was totally willing to believe that Wisconsinites just owned cows in their back garden. That was well, that. I mean, that, that I, I, arms here, you know. But not yeah, I, I, I just shrugged that off. Look, look, I get it. My family's from Ireland. We had herds of cows next to my grandma's house. Yeah, man. Like, I, I understand. Food but for days, baby. I was, Food for days. But yeah, I was, I, was, I was totally willing to believe that you and your brother were, like, buying a, a patch of land no, and no, putting no. a cow like on it. Just, like, for the milk. Just, like, oh, yeah. for the milk. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like that. I like that. But that's, that's going to do it for us. Uh, appreciate the support, everybody. Derek Michael, you're still an idiot. Peace.